You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 32. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and I am bringing you another fantastic interview. Today, I've got Aaron Walker on the show. It would be safe to say that Aaron Walker is a veteran entrepreneur. He started over a dozen businesses over the last four decades, beginning at age 18 and selling to a Fortune 500 company just nine years later, set Aaron on an adventure of a lifetime. The secret sauce for Aaron can clearly be identified with these four attributes, grit, authenticity, determination, and perseverance. The glue that holds it all together is his weekly involvement in his Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind groups. Aaron started masterminding 20 years ago with Dave Ramsey Dan Miller, and several other notable Nashvillians. And today he spends time with his wife, two daughters, and five grandchildren. Even with all of his success and experience, Aaron is extremely humble and wanted to make sure that he was doing all he could to make this a great episode for you. And I guarantee you that he did not disappoint. I first heard Aaron years ago when he was interviewed on Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership Podcast, and I was so excited to have the opportunity to meet him in person this year at Podcast Movement, and I'm thrilled and honored to have Aaron on the podcast today sharing his wisdom with us. In this episode, you will learn what Aaron learned about success after selling his business to a Fortune 500 company at the age of 27 how an unexpected event on August 1st, 2001 changed the trajectory of his life forever, why success and significance are the keys to a purposeful life, the story of how Aaron Walker and Dave Ramsey met and became mastermind buddies, the steps to starting a successful mastermind group that lasts, Aaron's best advice for growing a profitable business and keeping your focus on family, Aaron shares his habits for success, and the best tool in your entrepreneurial toolbox. Aaron will tell you exactly what that is. And of course, we cover a whole lot more in this episode. But before we dive in, I want to make sure you know that you can find all of the links and resources that are mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 32. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 32. And Aaron shares a bunch of resources. If you're a book reader, you're definitely going to want to take notes, but I've got all the links for you at monicalouie.com slash 32. Okay, let's dive into the interview with Aaron Walker from viewfromthetop.com. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am so thrilled to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Monica. It's a privilege to be here. Well, so first off, please share who you are and what you do, but also I want to get into your story of how you got here. So share with people what you do now. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm a native Nashvillian, uh, married to Robin, be 40 years this June, so I'm pretty fired up about that. I have two daughters, 36 and 33, five grandchildren, and we've owned uh, to date, this is our 14th business. 
Uh, and I'm having more fun today than ever because we get to help ordinary men become extraordinary in all they do. We host 15 mastermind groups called Iron Sharpens Iron. I'm an author and speaker. And so for the next hour, I want to share with you some things that maybe can help you understand how you also can be successful and significant simultaneously. Awesome. That's wonderful. So 14 businesses and a marriage of 40 years. Those are some great accomplishments. So how did you get started as an entrepreneur? Is it something that you always knew that you wanted to do? You know, it's some things I knew I didn't want to do. And I'll take you way back when I was 13 years old. My dad woke me up on a hot summer morning. He said, you want to make some money? And I said, I'm all in. What do I got to do? He said, help me this summer uh, to remodel a retail outlet in Madison, Tennessee, which is just north of Nashville. And it'll take us all summer and you can work and make yourself some money. So I did. And at the end of the job, I asked the store owner if I could work there. And he said, how old are you? And I said, I'm 13. He said, what would you possibly do here? And I said, I'll do whatever you want. I'll sweep, I'll clean up, I'll polish these showcases, whatever you want me to do, I'll be happy to do. And he said, you're hired. And so I started working there making a dollar and 70 cents an hour. And I thought I had set the world on fire. I said, this is amazing. Here I am, 13 years old, going to make a buck 70 an hour. And Monica, I fell in love with that business. And by the time I was 15, I decided that's what I wanted to do for a living. Went to summer school and night school for about 18 months. Was able to graduate the beginning of my junior year in high school. Although I didn't, I waited until I was a senior to graduate because I wanted to be with my class. Met a couple of guys that had a lot of money, went to them and offered to partner. I was 18. They were much older. They owned a very large insurance agency here in Nashville. And we took their money and my experience and we opened up our first retail outlet and God just started blessing it. I got married a year later, paid off a 10-year loan in 36 months, and I repeated that four times until I sold the business to a Fortune 500 when I was 27. And that's what kind of put me on a path to be able to do some things that I've been able to enjoy now for four decades. Wow. So at 27 years old, I mean, already a lot of success under your belt. And you really have the choice to do anything with your life at such a young age. And so what did you decide to do from there? Well, Monica, this is where it gets a little dicey because a lot of people are going, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine and how it must have been to have been retired at 27 years old. And it was for about 18 months. And then what I soon found out is that I became extremely depressed. I felt lonely. I was getting in the bed in the middle of the day because I was bored out of my mind. You can only play golf and fish so much. I just want to tell you. My wife woke me up one day from a nap and she said, this is not what I signed up for. And I'm like, well, I don't have any reason to get up. Like, you know, what am I going to do? And she said, go get a job, start another business. I don't care what you do. So I went back and I bought the company that I started with when I was 13 years old. And we spent the next 10 years growing that business four times the size that it was. And I had an absolute blast doing that. But what I discovered through retiring at an early age is, is that we've got to have purpose and we've got to have meaning in our life. And people say, you know, well, I'd like to be able to experience that. I hate it when people with money go, money's not important. I want to go, you liar. It is important. It's very important. But what you don't need to do is to make it your sole focus. You don't need to make it your God. 
You need to use it as a tool because that's what money is here for, to live a very significant and successful life. And I really didn't have that understood at the time. It was working around the clock, making more money, opening new stores, you know, vacation home, bigger cars, nicer house. It was all those things that I thought was important and I enjoyed. But what I found out was, is what's really important in life is building relationships and having purpose and meaning. And that's what I discovered through the next uh, 15 years of my life. So for somebody who's on the path right now, for trying to figure out, you know, what their purpose in life is, what would you suggest to them? How did they figure that out? Well, I've got to fast forward just a little bit in the story, if you'll bear with me for a second. So August 1st, 2001, I was headed to the office, which is 18 years ago as of this recording. And I was mile, mile and a half from my office, and there was this guy crossing the street in front of me to catch a local bus, and he didn't look my way, and unfortunately, he stepped out in front of me, and I ran over and killed a pedestrian that day, and my life come to an absolute screeching halt, literally came to a halt, and I couldn't understand what was going on. I mean, that physical day that this happened... I didn't even want to turn around and look behind me. I was so nervous. I got out of the car and I was trying to dial 911 on my phone and I couldn't dial it because my hand was shaking so hard. I was so nervous that I couldn't even dial 911. Finally got my composure, dialed 911. And a couple of minutes later, there was ambulances and police cars coming from everywhere. And I turned around and looked. It was a four-lane highway. Cars were stopping, people jumping out everywhere. And there's this older gentleman face down in the street and I'm praying, God, what in the world just happened? I mean, please let this guy be okay. And I finally walked over. I got the courage to walk over and uh, the guy got there, the ambulance, and he put him on a gurney and I said, is he okay? And he said, no, he's got severe head trauma. And I said, do you think he's going to be okay? And he said, I have no way of knowing. And they put me in a police car and they started taking testimonials from people that were around and everyone testified that it was that gentleman's fault. He just ran out in front of me. He didn't see me coming and later found out that uh, his name was Enrique. He was 77 years old. He was from the Philippines originally and he couldn't see. He just didn't see me. He had been warned over and over by his family and even the local bus driver that was picking him up not to travel alone. Well, they called me on Saturday morning. That was Wednesday morning. They called me on Saturday morning at 930 from the Vanderbilt Trauma Unit here in Nashville. And they said, Mr. Walker, he didn't make it. Well, Monica, I don't know if you've ever been through a traumatic experience or not, but you start second guessing everything. You start thinking, you know, what if that had been me? Uh, what if it had been somebody I had known? What am I going to do now? Do I continue on to do I sell the business? I mean, like, what do I do? I had all these unanswered questions. So I started going to counseling and had professionals that I saw on a regular basis. Had a lot of friends that really rallied around me. And the pressure was just very, very intense. And uh, I just decided to sell the business. I said, I'm 40 years old at this point. You know, I've been chasing money my entire life. Uh, we had been successful at a number of ventures, and I just said, I'm going to stop. So I sold the business, and then I took the next five years off. Well, in that discovery period, what I realized is that I had great success, but I didn't have any significance. 
like Monica, you would have known me as poor kid from Nashville, Tennessee, makes enough money to retire at 27 and nobody cares. Your life wouldn't have been better as a result of having known me. The only people that cared about the money that I had made was my immediate family. And I said, I don't want my legacy to be that. I want my legacy to be my life was better as a result of having known that guy. That's what I wanted my legacy to have been. And so I really changed my perspective and I started looking outward rather than inward. And I started trying to help other people achieve their goals and their successes. I started training and teaching, started a conference at my office where I'd go in and train young men to accomplish their goals and dreams. And we called it the torch to where we hand off the torch as the mentor to the young men. And I did that for six and a half years in my office every Monday morning, trying to instruct and teach other people how to live a very successful and significant life. Well, five years later, my wife said, hey, you're getting fat and lazy again. It's time to go back to work. And so we went into construction industry And since then, we have really been intentional, Monica, about trying to help other people really get a grasp on what their purpose and goal is in life. We were all put here for a reason. Some people, it's to have grandioso platforms and stages that they can influence thousands, if not millions. Other people, it's maybe just to influence their family or their spouse or possibly even their children. But what I do know for certain, we weren't put here just for our individual pleasures. We were put here for the benefit of the community. Wow. What a story. Thank you for sharing that. And I totally agree with you. I feel like that all of us do have a purpose that, you know, we are given this gift of life to make the world a better place and to make our contribution. And so how do we figure out how we can do that in the best way? Because there's lots of ways that we can improve the world, but how do we figure out our path for that? Yeah. Well, I'm a Christ follower. And I think it's important to mention that in this part of the interview. And for me, it's simply reading God's word. It's through prayer and meditation and through the counsel of the multitudes or the people that know me best. And when those things coincide and they align, I feel like that I'm on a good path. And so reading God's word, prayer and meditation, uh, praise and worship, spending time, you know, with other believers, and then they instruct you and guide you and point out, you know, what your superpowers are, what your lane of genius is. And when those things align, And when it's congruent with your message, the things that you're trying to share, I think that God can use you mightily. Some people are not persons of faith, and so I can't really speak to that. But I would simply say that go on your own quest and on your own journey to find out your lane of genius, not just your lane of competence. Find out what gives you energy, not what drains you. And the things that drain you normally are not your lane of genius. And so if it fuels you, if it gives you energy, you're on the right path historically. If it's outward focus rather than inward focus, that's another very good sign because I'm convinced we were designed to be in community. And when we can parlay those uh, strengths that we have into the benefit of others, I think we're on a really good path. There's nothing wrong with success. I enjoy having nice things, taking nice trips, but what I enjoy more is breathing life into those that are around me to help them accomplish their goals and dreams. And here's what happens invariably, Monica. Today, 
we are more successful financially and significantly than ever before because I'm convinced if you get the order correct, you'll have all the level of success that you could ever want first if you're significant. That's powerful. Thank you. So once we've decided our lane and where we are going to merge the our superpowers and what fuels us and gives us energy and how we can contribute and give to others, then what is the next step that we should be taking? Well, you know, for me, I didn't even want to coach. I've been in a mastermind group forever, you know, with Dave Ramsey and Dan Miller and Ken Abraham. Some of those names may or may not mean anything to your audience. But I had the privilege of being around people that were go-getters. I mean, they were on a pace and on track to do amazing things. And we all live here in Nashville, so we're friends. And we get an opportunity to mastermind together. And so I would simply say that you need to surround yourself with like-minded people, people that have the same core values, people that are interested in taking their life to the next level. I don't like to be around naysayers. You know what I'm saying? I don't like to be around people that say, Big A, you're never going to do this. I'm like, hey, you better move because I'm fixing to go there. I want to be the encourager. I want to edify people. Jim Rohn said it the best. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so for Robin and I, we are very deliberate in how we live our life. We're very selective on the people that we hang out with. The people that are around my children, my grandchildren, are people that are going to edify them and encourage them. People that are going to mentor them and shape them into the people that they could be. And so I think first and foremost, you need to get the right community around you. And once you accomplish that, you are going to excel beyond your wildest expectations. We were, as I've said earlier, created to be in community. And here's the thing. Isolation is the enemy to excellence. And if you really want to go to heights you've never been, you've got to have that camaraderie. You've got to have that team around you. You've got to have community everywhere you go. You've got to have those people that will hold your hands up when you get tired, encourage you, stop you when you're doing boneheaded things, but encourage you to push through upper limit challenges. And so I would just simply say the people that you're around, the relationships that you have are 100% evidence if you're going to be successful or not. And so I would just encourage you strongly, if you want to accomplish these things, get in a great community. That's great. Okay. So you've been in a mastermind, I mean, with some amazing people, Dave Ramsey, a lot of my listeners, since I started in the personal finance space online, a lot of my listeners are also in the personal finance space. So we definitely know who Dave Ramsey is. I'll tell you a funny story then. Okay. Since you asked that, I'll tell you a funny story. (laughs) So in 1994, I went to Luby's cafeteria of 25 people there, chamber of commerce breakfast. There was this guy up there speaking And uh, he was pretty intriguing. Yeah, I thought, this is pretty cool. He was talking about starting uh, a show called The Money Game. And I was like, this is pretty cool. So I went up and introduced myself afterwards and invited him down to see a retail outlet that I just built. And he said, this is amazing. He said, I want you to advertise on my show. And I said, I don't even know you. No, thank you. I'm not interested in advertising on your show. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a week free if you'll just try me. At the time, he and Roy Matlock were on the show called The Money Game here in Nashville on one radio station in Nashville. Three days into it, Monica, my business blew up. 
And I called him and I said, I don't know. These people have drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know what it is you're doing, but I am interested in signing up to be one of your sponsors. He said, it'll be an annual contract. And I said, what? I said, I can't just try you for another week. He said, nope. If you want to do this, it's an annual contract. So I held my breath and I signed the contract and I spent 21 consecutive years sponsoring Dave's show. Now he's on 800 radio stations, 12 million listeners a month, and he has a phenomenal program. Uh, Dave's been one of my best friends since the early 90s. And I was at the Curb Center in Nashville few years after that. And he walked up to me and he said, Hey, big A, he said, I want you to join my mastermind group. And I said, I don't even know what a mastermind group is. He said, just come to my office Wednesday morning. I'll introduce you to the guys. Well, Monica, I didn't want to go. I'm like, I'm not going in there bearing my soul to all these people and telling them all, you know, my secrets and the things I don't want them to know. So I went and I was timid when I first went. I sat over there and they started sharing their life. They started sharing about their personal experiences, their business. And I thought, these are the real Guys, I mean, this is like for real. So I started sharing and it absolutely revolutionized my life because it gave me non-biased, trusted advisors that I could be candid, vulnerable, transparent with on a weekly basis, that there was no condemnation, there was no judgment, and they helped me excel to the level that we've accomplished today. And I just want to encourage all of you, if you haven't got an accountability group, if you don't have a small group, if you don't have a mastermind group, if you want to go to the level that I'm talking about, meet on a weekly basis with people that are also going there and it will revolutionize and change your life. Well, thank you for sharing that. That's a great story. So are you still in the mastermind group today? Well, no, we've not met in a couple of years now. They had other things they were going to do. I did as well. And so I went out and started coaching at Dave and Dan Miller's urging. And now, quite honestly, we have 15 mastermind groups with members in seven different countries. And so it keeps me plenty busy in mastermind groups today. Very cool. Okay. So, but you guys were together for what? Yeah, a dozen years. years? A dozen years. Yeah. Yeah. Met every Wednesday morning for a dozen years. What do you think the secret, with so much experience with mastermind groups, what do you think the secret is to creating the foundation for one that lasts? Because I've been in several over the years, and it seems like the average, at least for the ones that I've been a part of, are around a year and a half, which I think is still pretty good. But I know there are ones that, you know, will get started, everybody's excited and energized. And so is there like structure that goes into it? Is it the selection process of of who's included? How do you... You know, you you don't even know this, but uh, we've got a product that we built called the Mastermind Playbook, and uh, it teaches you to start, grow, and scale masterminds. People call me all the time saying, Big A, how did you scale masterminds to 15 groups? And so we developed a a program called the Mastermind Playbook, and it walks you through every step of the way. There needs to be a very regimented format. And I walk you through that process. There needs to be something that holds you together each and every week. A lot of people meet once a month. A lot of people meet once a quarter. Personally, a lot of life happens. And so we meet on a video conference every single week. And we have an accountability tool. You have to fill out this tool every single Thursday. There's 10 questions that we ask. There's always a theme of the month. There's always a book we're reading. There's predetermined questions that we ask. We have two live events every year, every six months. 
uh, next uh, month. There's 130 men coming from six different countries. Uh, we have 150 in our group, so a few weren't able to attend, but 90% of the people are coming uh, to Nashville, and we do that twice a year. And at my expense, I pay for everything, their hotel. I pay for the food. I pay for the speakers. I pay for everything. It's part of your dues. It's called Iron Sharpens Iron. As one man sharpens another, just as iron sharpens iron. And we really get down to business. It's not a facade. I mean, we really get into your personal life. We get into your business life. There's all kind of resources that we offer. There's connections. There's cross-pollination. I interview guests every single month. Seth Godin was our guest last month, and we brought him in and interviewed him. The guys got to ask questions. So we're constantly bringing in new guests. It's about giving value. Monica, people need to quit trying to make a sale, and they need to add value. And when you add value to people's lives, they stick around for a long, long time. We've had the same 10 guys been meeting for six years now in the same group, and they meet every single week, month after month, year after year. Their businesses are growing exponentially as a result of it because there's that constant accountability. Now, we're not for the faint at heart. I mean, if you're looking to hang out and tell about your golf score and the football game last Sunday, we're not interested in that. We're interested in you excelling. We're interested in you going to the next level personally and professionally. And when you develop that kind of mindset and you bring that kind of value, you can't run the people off. People will line up to be in your group. That's great. Okay, so the Mastermind Playbook, where can we learn more about that? Yeah, you can go to mastermindplaybook.com. It's the mastermindplaybook.com. Okay, awesome. I will put that in the show notes. So everybody great. can find Great, thank that. you. Yeah, that's Yeah, great. thank you. Okay, so, and you mentioned your wife, Robin, a few times, and you guys have been married, did you say 40 years now? 40 years, yes. In June, wow. it will be 40 years. Yeah, she's been my biggest hero. We got married two weeks out of high school. <laughs> she turned 18 in March. June 21st, we got married two weeks after she graduated from high school. I was 19. She was 18. Wow. And so uh, what has been your secret? Congratulations, first of all. Uh, what has been your you. secret? Well, you know, it goes back there again. I don't want to preach a sermon, but keeping Christ the center of our lives as the common denominator has really gotten us through some tough trials and tribulations. And the other thing is, Monica, is outserving each other. You know, I look for ways to serve her and she does me as well. And we always have to agree on what we're doing or we don't do it. If she doesn't want to, we don't do it. If I don't want to, we don't do it. We have to live in harmony. And so for us, it's trying to see if we can outserve one another. You know, when you're selfish, it's not going to get you very far. But when you're trying to outserve your mate for their benefit, it keeps you around for a long time. And so how do you balance building these businesses over the years and, you know, keeping your relationship and your marriage, your family a priority? Well, you know, early on, Monica, it wasn't. When I was in my 20s and early 30s, it was about starting another business. It was about another 50000 or $100,000. It was about a bigger house, a vacation home. I really was out of focus, if you want to know the truth, when I was young. And that's kind of something that I do. I'm very transparent in sharing my story. And I almost came home with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers. And what I have found out is, is that you can alter 
you can sacrifice your family on the altar of money if you're not careful. And then what happens is, is, you know, you find yourself alone one day with a pocket full of money and I just didn't want that. And so I really made some adjustments to my schedule. There's really not a way, I think balancing work and your personal life is a myth. Roy Vaden is a friend of mine. He wrote a book called Procrastinate on Purpose. And what Roy talks about in the book is that we need to be really out of balance in the right places. And so what we need to do is really focus on the five or six things that are really important and spend all of your effort and energy trying to accomplish those things. What we do, though, is we're an inch deep and a mile wide. We try to be really good at so many things that we are never successful at anything. And so Greg McEwen says, be an inch wide and a mile deep. And so what we've been able to do is really focus on our marriage, really focus on the business at hand at the time, and become the very best at that that we possibly could. The problem is, Monica, people switch horses way too often. They have the shiny object syndrome, and they say, ah, that looks good over there. And they go over there and get on that, and they go, ah, this is not really what I thought. And they keep doing that. Well, having the benefit of mastermind members on a weekly basis keeps you focused And the only way that you're going to be really successful is to put your head down, focus on this one task, uh, as Keller says in his book, The One Thing, and really go after that. And you can make all the money that you want to. You referenced some of my favorite books just now. So I've definitely read Procrastinate on Purpose. And Greg McEwen, you mentioned, he's the author of Essentialism. And then The One Thing. So thank you. I'm going to put all those resources in the show notes. So Do you have, you mentioned prayer and meditation earlier. Do you have practices, habits, you know, routines that help keep you focused on what your one thing is? Great question. I don't know for how long. I haven't really tracked it. I'm going to say two decades. Every morning I get up early. I'm an early riser, you know, and some people go, you're crazy. I'm not getting up that early. But, you know, I don't require as much sleep, you know. So I sleep six, six and a half hours And I'm usually up between 4.30 and 5 every day. And I'll spend the first hour, hour and a half in prayer and in meditation, reading God's word, and just sitting there quietly listening. I just sit and listen. I'm just still. We have a beautiful sunroom. I'm able to sit there. I'll go out on my patio. We live back in the woods. And I'm able to go out there and just be still. See, when you get up and you're in a frenzy and you got to take a shower and you're late, you're dry, there's no way you can focus that way. So I would safely say now for two decades, that's the way every day starts for me. And then do you have any other habits or routines that help you with staying focused on your goals? Yeah, but I'm not uh, as disciplined in some of those. Uh, I'm fairly good shape. You know, I'm a big guy, but uh, I'm 6'4", 230. So my wife says I need to lose 10 pounds. Exercise is my biggest Achilles heel. I'll do it, but I blame good genes on not exercising like I should. So I have to keep guys around me all the time to encourage me. I walk on a regular basis. I could do better at that. But if I didn't have regular accountability, I probably wouldn't do as good with that. But I think the number one quality that I possess that I wish everyone would listen very carefully just for a moment. If you don't get anything else from this interview, I want you to hear this. The best tool in your toolbox is consistency. 
And I'm the most consistent person that you've been around when it comes to working. I have a very regimented work routine. I don't need anybody looking over my shoulder. I haven't worked for anybody now since I was 18 years old. So I'll be 59 in March. And so I'm very adamant about my work schedule. And so the consistency, I've done over 1,500 podcast interviews in the past five years. And I do that every single week. And I do that because they work and because I want to share my message. Facebook Lives, four a week. I write hundreds of blogs. I show up every single day. And here's the key. Those that are going to be successful can endure the boredom. And if you can't endure the boredom, chances are you're not going to be very successful because it's very regimented. I go home at night sometimes, Monica, and I've left it all on the field. I mean, there's not one drop left in my towel when I wring it out at night because I am spent because I love it. It gives me energy. I love what I do. And if you don't feel that way about what you do, I want to encourage you to reevaluate what you're doing. Listen, this is not a practice run. This is our real life. We don't get a do-over. This is it. And we've got to enjoy it. We've got to give everything we've got and we've got to do it consistently so that we can build up that critical mass. And once you build that critical mass, there's momentum, Monica. And once you get that momentum, it is hard to stop that train, right? It's getting it started is what's so difficult. So whatever it is you're going to do, have a plan. Do the Brian Moran, the 12-week year, and follow those principles to the T. And you yourself can be very, very successful by following these principles very consistently. It's another one of my favorite books, by the way, the 12-week year. My team and I have been following that process this year, and it's been a huge game changer for us. You know, we've grown our business on an average of 35 to 40% year after year by following Brian Moran's The 12-Week Year. Brian is a friend of mine. I had him to come and speak at our last live event in April. He and Mike Michalowicz came and spoke at our event. And he is outstanding. As a matter of fact, he's partnering with us in the Mastermind Playbook. And we're doing some cool things there with the 12-week year to where we take the content of the Mastermind Playbook and we overlay it into the 12-week year. So not only do we give you the framework, we tell you how to go about launching the playbook so that you're uber successful. So he's a great guy. Wow, I love that. So when it comes to selecting who should be in our masterminds, who we should be creating a mastermind with. How do we find those people or what criteria should we be looking for? Well, first and foremost, you have to have someone that wants to excel. They want to have the level of consistency that I'm referring to. You have to have somebody in that has the same core values, the same principles that you share. If you're not aligning with your core values, I don't listen to people's advice because we have to have a common denominator there with our core values. Because someone with no ethics or uh, no sense of morality whatsoever, I'm not going to listen to what their message is. But when they align with my core values, then I listen. And then you simply identify who your avatar is. And so you need to be very clear when you identify that. You need to be very clear on what the expectations are both ways. Like when I interview an applicant, it's not just going whether... I'm going to allow you in. I want you to evaluate me as well. I want you to know what I stand for because it's a long-term relationship. It's not something that's short-term. I'm not interested in somebody getting into my group for six months or a year and then going on their way. I'm interested in people saying, I want this to be my lifestyle. 
And as a result of that, we've had people to double, triple, and quadruple their business as a result of this level of consistency that I'm referring to. Well, if you jump out of this group into that group, no one knows exactly who you are, what your history is. They don't know what your filters are. They don't know your life experiences. So how could they ever give you good advice? You've got to know people intimately because it's not a blanket answer. You can't just lay over the top of everyone and say, this is what you need to do because that person has experienced many different things in their life than you have. Their goals, their objectives are different. And so it's an evaluation process, Monica. We have a very lengthy application that we go through, making sure that we align and making sure that you're going to bring value and that we're going to present value to you as well. So jumping in and out of these mastermind groups is not healthy. It just doesn't do you any good. You need to find a group that is great for you that you're going to take your life to the level that you want it to go to with people that know you intimately. That's great. It feels like a lot of that would apply to hiring people for our team too. Can you speak to how you select people for your team? Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram. The Road Back to You, Ian Crone yes, wrote the book. I just listened to that audiobook as well. Yeah, he lives here in Nashville as well, and he did a marvelous job on this. It helps you really understand the dynamics of who we are and why we do what we do. We also do disc profiles. We've got to be sure that, as Colin says, that we have the right person on the right bus in the right seat. And if you don't really do your due diligence and figure out exactly who that person is, you're going to set them up for failure. And so I would just suggest strongly that you do the disc profile, you do the Enneagram, and you really understand who that person is so that you can set them up for success. Perfect. Okay. So is there anything else that we didn't touch on that we should definitely talk about today? You know, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of topics, Monica, that we could talk about, but we've really kind of run the gamut. I just want to encourage folks that are listening out there today to really think through the passion that you have, to really think through what it is that you want to accomplish in life and figure out your why and figure out your purpose. And I want you to go out there and kill it. I've got two favorite quotes that I'd like to leave you with. One is fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure. Monica, most people are afraid that they're going to fail. I don't even believe in failure. I believe you either succeed or you learn. And I'm not afraid to learn very fast that that was not the right thing to do and pivot and be able to turn. Failure is something that I think is achieved if you don't attempt something. The second thing is, is the mindset to believe you can do it. My mom was a huge advocate in my life. She was a strong proponent of mindset. And she had this simple little saying that said, can't, couldn't do it, but could did it all. Carol Dweck talks about in her book, Mindset, to have a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. And if you adopt these principles and you can fear missing an opportunity more than you fear failure, and you can have the mindset of you can do it, you too can live a life of great success and significance. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Aaron. This was a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom and expertise with us. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Monica. It was a blast being your guest. I certainly appreciate it. So share just one last time where people can find you and follow you. 
Yeah, viewfromthetop.com. That's with a V, Victor, viewfromthetop.com. And if you're interested in the playbook, you can go to themastermindplaybook.com. I would love to interact with you. And if I can ever help any of you in any way, feel free to reach out. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We'll have all those links in the show notes. Thank you, Aaron, for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Monica. So much wisdom from Aaron. And I would love to hear your major takeaways. So what stood out to you in this episode? What were your lessons learned? For me, this was another great reminder that who you surround yourself matters. That's why I've invested in a couple of high-level mastermind programs over the years, and they have been instrumental in helping me grow my business quickly. And I love what Aaron shared about the connection between success and significance. My team and I talk all the time about how we are helping our clients and students help more people, and that's what drives us. While we love creating Facebook ads that convert and seeing those amazing results that we get for our clients, we always remember that we're helping real people through our clients and our students' offerings. So I'd love for you to let us know what your takeaways are in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 32, or tag Aaron and me on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica, and he's at ISI underscore mastermind. I want to give a huge thank you to Aaron Walker for coming on the podcast and sharing his story and wisdom with us. And remember, you will find all the links and the resources that we mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 32. And thank you so much for joining Aaron and me today. Now, if you are here because you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then I invite you to check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. And you can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through the six steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus there's an awesome checklist so that you can make sure you've got everything you need before you jump into the ads manager. And if you're like me, then you appreciate a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. All right. As I mentioned, I'll have all the links and resources that Aaron and I mentioned today in the show notes, which you can find at monicalouie.com slash 32. And if you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. And subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another great interview heading your way. So subscribe so you don't miss it. Next week's guest is someone who I have admired online for years, and she's helped more than 35,000 women create businesses online on their own terms and, get this, by working less than 30 hours per week. She's sharing her secrets and more next week on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I hope you'll join us. All right, take care and bye for now. Bye for now.